Everybody, it's Beth Walsh Stewart in the studio in the Koinonia kitchen, and today we're going to start our study on identity theology. Identity is how you feel or what you believe about yourself, and theology is the study of spiritual nature of, of God, the belief in God. So when you put those things together, identity and theology, we're going to talk about who we think we are according to who God thinks we are. It's a wonderful study, and I may be making a huge assumption by believing that if you're listening to one of the Theo Speaks uh, recordings, that you've had an encounter with Christ that changed the way you want to live. You know, whether he revealed himself to you in some spectacular way, or he came to you in slow, steady increments, you have arrived at a belief in Christ. So to this end, you're listening to a Theo Speaks podcast, and we're going to talk about identity theology. Um, how can you impact the world because of who you are and what you believe? So let's talk about this. You, you came to believe in Christ. You believe he's the Messiah, the actual son of God, and not a fictional character or a legend uh, you realize that he died on a cross for you personally and that he rose from the dead three days later. You believe that he ascended into heaven and will be back to straighten up the mess we're making of this planet one day. And your belief is that you will live with him forever in his kingdom. So are we on the same page? Because if not, these talks are going to be hard for you to keep up with. Uh, it's the deep end of the pool. We're diving into the belief. Are you there? You know who he is. He's God, and he became a man to save us from sin. And you have a base belief about his identity. Now we're going to swing out and pull it back. When studying identity theology, it's going to be important to know God's identity as well as our own identity. Two big questions. What is it that you believe about yourself? And what is it that you believe is the truth? So if you go to the Bible in Genesis 5 through 25, why would I go there? We're going to talk about who we are, and we need to start at the beginning. God created man and woman out of the ground. Actually, the name Adam in Hebrew means ground. He made him right out of the earth. We are created beings. God used the same elements and matter with which he formed the earth to create human beings. How many of you have ever really considered that, except maybe in a high school chemistry class? I know at funerals we always hear that Genesis 3.19 verse, Remember, man, you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. But it kind of makes sense now, doesn't it? Part of my identity is I am created out of the elements available and the earth, and that I came to know life when God breathed life into me. That's what the story of Genesis says. That's what the story of creation tells me. So let's review what we're talking about here. We were made by God out of the elements that make up the earth, 
he created us in his own image. He made male and female and he blessed us and told us to be fruitful and multiply. He called us to subdue the earth and rule over the animals. He gave us green plants and trees from which to eat. There was one tree that we weren't supposed to eat from because it would make us die. Then God looked at all he had created, us included, you and me, and he proclaimed it very good. On all the other days of creation, he looked at his work and proclaimed it good. <laughs> but on the day he created you and me, on the sixth day, he said it was very good. Remember in grammar school when you get a grade on the top of your paper? Good was good, but very good? Oh yeah, that beat good every time. So there we were. We're just going to assume we're like Adam and Eve. We're walking around naked in the Garden of Eden with God. That's right. We were just walking around in this beautiful garden with God. He was pleased with us. He thought we were very good. And then what happened? If you read in Genesis 3, verses 1 through 13, you'll get the, uh, the story of what happened. The serpent came into being, and, and the serpent tricked Eve. And he said, did God really say you can't eat of the tree, of that, the fruit of that tree? That, you know, it will make you die. It'll make you like him. You'll be able to know good from evil. You know, when God created us in his own image from the earth to subdue the earth and to take dominion over the an animals, he did all this stuff. He gave us food to eat. He warned us not to eat. We were the pinnacle of his creation, able to create because we were made in his image. So we were co-creators with him. But then this serpent, a fallen angel in disguise, tells us a different story. He tells us, number one, don't trust God is telling you the truth. You won't die. And number two, you could be like God if you eat from that tree. He doesn't want you to be as good as him. In both lies... One and two, the serpent suggested to Adam and Eve that God is not good. This is a real base question to you. Do you believe that God is good? Everything in the earth is teaching us that he is not. That is the devil's plan. Do not let them believe that God is good. Teach him to be a punishing God. Talk about how he smites people. Uh, get everything you can about how he's scary and big and larger than life and doesn't want a relationship. Break him apart from humanity. And you know, when you think about this, up until that encounter with the serpent, everything was good. Not just good, everything was very good. And right there in, in Genesis 3, Chapter, uh, verse 7, our identity changed. And it reads like this. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed together fig leaves and made coverings for themselves. You know, when I go to the beach, I generally wear a cover-up over my swimsuit. Why? Because I'm overweight. I'm overweight, so I don't want to just walk down to the beach in my swimsuit. The cover-up is meant to hide that truth. You've seen us fatties on the beach in our cover-ups, right? Okay, here's my question. 
Do you work? Do, do they work? Do you actually not know that we're overweight? No. Truth is truth, my friend. If you're overweight, you're overweight. You can wear the cover up if you think it saves somebody some stress or something, but it's not going to hide the fact that you're overweight. But there's a bigger issue here. My identity was changed in Genesis 3-7, and so was yours. When man stepped away from the belief that God is good and wants the best for us, ego was born. Friends of mine use an acronym for ego, edging God out. Ego is a false self. It brings a host of not good stuff with it. In Genesis 3-7, Adam and Eve came to know shame. As soon as evil was introduced on this earth, shame followed. Shame is not a creation of God. It was not mentioned in the first two chapters where you read in Genesis what everything that was created. Shame is the creation of man believing lies instead of truth. That is where shame is born. That is where it came from. I'd like to blame the devil because he's the one who told the lies. But the sin is believing the lies. The sin is on man. And the creation of shame is on man. The break from God is when we doubted his goodness. Even though he created us, gave us authority over all creation, told us we were created in his image. Oh my gosh, and we couldn't believe he was good? One more thing. It's my contention that as an angel, Satan has no creational ability. Man is the one created in the image of the creator. The devil can deceive us and get us to use our creational gifts to make brokenness, to make evil, to make sin. Because the devil wasn't created in the image of the living God, but you were. Okay, there's more to the story. Yes, we learned shame that day. And we learned to hide. In the hiding, we learned deceit. You know, uh, don't raise your hands. <laughs> well, you can. It's a podcast. Nobody will see you. But how many of you try to get away with stuff? If no one sees it, I don't have to be accountable for it kind of stuff. It might be eating the whole pint of ice cream, driving over the speed limit, predating a check when you're paying a bill. Shame and hiding came from Eden. They are part of mankind's new identity. A false identity, yes, but it is the identity that most of mankind wears. What else did we learn in those few sentences that tell the story of the fall of man? We learned how to blame. When God asked Adam if he ate the, ate the, for, the forbidden fruit, he blamed Eve. Eagle is very pervasive. A false self appears real. Satan said we would be like God if we ate the fruit, and that began our quest for more. There is not enough. I need more. Generations sing along with Mick Jagger in agreement. I can't get no satisfaction. We wanted more. We are not easily satisfied. We were given dominion over everything ever created and by believing one little lie, we decided that wasn't enough power. We wanted more. Now, who is man? What is his identity? 
We were created from the elements of the earth to live and love God, to enjoy his creation and co-create with him by taking dominion over all the animals and subduing the earth. Instead, because we doubted his goodness and thought he was holding out on us, we are separated from truth. We bought the lie and all the pain and sinful imaginings came with it. I jokingly tell people that the first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven is beat the crap out of Adam and Eve. (laughs) I mean, they were duped. And from that selfish motive has come all manner of suffering. You guys, I'm talking about all. Nazi Germany, school shootings, addiction and drug overdoses, slavery, sexual depravity against unwilling victims, obesity, death. You get the picture. By believing the lying serpent, we imposed a death sentence upon ourselves. How could we possibly be set free from this? Adam screwed up, that's for certain. We are living in in the aftermath of his deception. If he hadn't listened to that serpent, this world would be, wait, that's it. All we need is a do-over, like when you strike out in Little League. Do-over, we just need another try. We just need another chance. We just need another Adam. But Adam's going to have to be immune to Satan's lies. How can we make this happen? Well, I have good news. It isn't how. Rearrange those three letters. It's who. Let's look at some interesting facts. Jesus was born a baby and grew up as a regular man. Only notable report before age 30 was when he taught at a temple at age 12. Why did he know the scriptures so well? Because he is the word of God. He is the scriptures. He is the word of God made flesh. By 12, he stood out because he really was just a man. Well, not even a man yet, a boy. But he knew God's word better than any man who had ever walked this planet. Number two, his birth followed a foretold lineage of David. His ancestry is human. It is a human lineage. Number three, when tempted in the desert, each temptation would have secured human needs or standing. Hunger, turn that, that stone into bread. Safety, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. Prestige, all the, all the kingdoms of the earth will glorify you. Each temptation was to draw Christ out of standing as a human being. It was a human Christ that fasted for 40 days. He was tired, he was hungry, and he needed safety and security. He was alone. There were no other humans for for comfort or or help. And, And some social standing would have been comfortable. Satan was not only tempting Jesus, He was tempting Jesus to step out of his humanity so that his own selfish gain could be met. Not Satan's selfish gain. Jesus, he would have been fed. He would have had prestige. He would have felt safety. This is exactly what Satan did to Adam and Eve. This is exactly what Satan does to you and me. But Christ prevailed. 
The fourth thing, directly following his temptation, Jesus began his public ministry. And though he performed miraculous deeds, it was always after going to the Father for power. He lived as a human, but his belief never wavered because he is also divine. The fifth thing, he exclaimed that the kingdom of God is near. The sixth thing, he died a brutal, horrible human death. A man of sorrows, he knew pain. I'm going to throw some scriptures at you. I'd love for you to write them down and look them up. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49, and Romans 5, 12 to 19. Jesus was the second Adam. We needed man who was blameless and without sin to make a new covenant with God. But no man could be worthy because we were born into a sin nature and our selfishness, blame, ego, need to die. So God became a man and was sacrificed so that we could regain our creational holiness and walk with God in his kingdom. The kingdom of God was ongoing, but Jesus brought it back to earth by his death and resurrection. That is why John 3.16 is such an important verse in the Bible. Does it help you understand the identity of Jesus better? I hope so. He was God, but lived like a man to facilitate a new covenant. Like the band Mercy Me sings in their song, it's not good news. It's the best news ever. We're going to do another few parts of this, so we're going to stop this podcast here. But if you like what you're listening to, and if you're understanding and growing with it, please tune in to the next one. Thanks for listening. It's time to take addiction out of the shadows and shine the encouraging light of recovery on everyone affected. Good Seed Podcast is powered by BethWE.com, a nonprofit ministry based in Vero Beach, Florida. We'll start the uncomfortable conversations that turn despair into hope and complacency into action. Connect, communicate, and thrive with us. Check us out online at BethWE.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk again soon.